This is What the FC. I'm Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. MLS is weird, and we love a good story. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to What the FC. Clearly, that is not normally how I intro our podcasts, but that intro is a very special tribute to someone that is very important and has been very important to the American soccer community in general for a really long time, Daryl Grove of the Total Soccer Show. Um, Today's episode is going to be a tribute episode to Daryl, who has been battling cancer for the last two years. Uh, Just last Monday, uh, Taylor Rockwell, his co-host on Total Soccer Show, announced that he was moved into hospice and his doctors couldn't do anything anymore. And um, on Thursday night, he unfortunately passed away. And we lost a very, very um, inspiring figure in American soccer in general, not even just American soccer podcasting, just American soccer in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have had really, really great memories, including myself. I've had great memories of listening to Daryl talk on the Total Soccer Show for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when we first started talking about doing an MLS 101, or not MLS 101 miniseries, excuse me, but when we first started um, talking about doing a podcast, he was really one of the first people that inspired me to give me the confidence of like, oh, wow, man, like he just gave me so much energy and I felt like I was a part of the room and being a part of that room, I, I felt like I had something uh, to say. I felt like I had a seat at their table when they were doing a podcast. And yeah, that's where I got kind of the courage to, to start um, talking to you about about doing this. And I mean, I was listening to a lecture earlier today and they were, they were talking about what really inspires people like why why is someone inspiring to us and oftentimes we can't name it like I, I struggled to try and name some of the things that Daryl Grove really embodies that I want to mirror because he just it's it's a lot more complicated because he was passionate he loved soccer he was compassionate he was very kind and very friendly he was selfless and he was just fun he was very knowledgeable and well thought out. He was just such a well-rounded person. And, and that doesn't even begin to touch on the character of, uh, of Daryl. And so it's with the heavy hearts that, um, I send my, my thoughts and prayers to, um, Daryl's family, to Taylor and the whole total soccer show community. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, are there any uh, memories that you have? Yeah. Uh, just Daryl, I think you summed it up a lot there. Daryl was a lot more than just an American soccer podcaster. Yeah, exactly. Um, he contributed a lot more to this world than just that, even though that was just a, such a major contribution to the soccer culture here in the States. But he was just such an amazing person off of it. He tackled his entire cancer battle with such optimism. He was always yeah. talking about how other people had it worse and he was trying to keep an optimistic outlook. And it was just really inspiring to see him go through that. I think Taylor on their Twitter timeline shared a memory recently of an episode that they did where they got a one-star review and they were talking about this one-star review and the one-star review called them uh, soft. And uh, Daryl was so excited to talk about this soft review that they got on on that one-star review because he was 
just so appreciative that that guy had called him soft. He he said, we really need more softness in this world. And I just think that really sums up Daryl's outlook on life, the way he was so empathetic uh, in his interviews and the way he approached any topic that they discussed on the podcast. Um, he tried to find the softer side of it, the lighter side of it, which I think we could all use a lot of. Yeah, exactly. And he was never condescending even if he might have been a little bit more knowledgeable about something, he, he would disagree, and but he would do so gently. And I think, especially in today's climate, I mean, that, that's something that we could all learn from and, and yeah. try and utilize and, and spread the good positivity and the softness um, yeah. to, to our friends and family. I, I totally agree. I think that's going to be my memory that just really sticks with me from Daryl is trying to remember that it's okay to be soft sometimes. It's okay to find the softness in things uh, and and really uh, try to find those types of things. But we're not going to spend the whole podcast with a somber tone here because I don't think that's what Daryl would want to do. No, when, no. when me and Matt uh, heard the update podcast from Taylor uh, about Daryl's situation moving into hospice, we started talking about, obviously, we need to talk about him, right? Because he was such a major inspiration to us the way him and Taylor bounced back and forth off of each other, we modeled our entire chemistry off of that. I mean, they, they mm. are the ideal model of chemistry behind the mic but for a dual host podcast. Yeah. And so obviously we needed to do something, but we didn't want to sit here and just talk for ages and share sad memories because I don't think that's what Daryl would do if Daryl was doing a tribute for someone else. He would try to find, again, the softer and lighter side of life. So one of the cool things that Taylor shared um, when he announced that Daryl had been moved into hospice, uh, he shared an episode that he, uh, that they recorded together, and they did this quite often, and it was one of Daryl's absolute favorite things to do on the show, and that was take some sort of random fictional universe that they both had watched and loved, whether that was a book series or a TV series most often, or that mm -hmm. kind of thing, and take the characters and choose starting 11s off of them, and then argue their starting 11s against each yeah. other and, and argue their reasoning. So... Uh, Taylor played the Parks and Rec episode, which was one of Daryl's favorite shows. And so me and Matt thought, let's do something similar to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so we are going to be doing the Game of Thrones um, series written by, yep, if you are watching on video, we have all the books right here. And written by J.R.R. Um, George. Martin, or, no, I was thinking of Tolkien. Jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> George R.R. Yeah. Martin. Um, excuse me. But yeah, and then also adopted to screenplay as a TV show on HBO that ended a year or two ago. Um, right. And um, obviously hugely popular. I think pretty much everyone in everywhere was watching these as they premiered every Sunday. I know I just watched them in one like two week period with yeah, my mom. I, so. I watched it like twice, two or three times. I watched it once over a summer and I, I, I didn't do anything that whole summer. I, I would just watch it, go to work, come back home, watch it, and then wake up, go to work and repeat. I, I read them actually before I ever watched them. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of one of those original, like you should read the books before the series kind of people, <laughs> like just so you guys know about that about me. Um, so I actually read them in high school. I was that kid that carried a book around with me between mm -hmm. classes and I would get to class early and like read until yeah. the teacher started lecturing. So that's when I kind of read them. That's when I fell in love with them. And then uh, recently this past summer, I, I watched the TV show and I was actually really, really pleased with it. I thought it was amazing, an amazing adaptation. It was clear that George R. R. Martin was um, involved in it. But. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that it's one of the best series in terms of character 
arcs and developments and you just get to have such like passionate uh, relationships with these characters and so there are going to be a lot of spoiler alerts uh, in this episode when we're describing a lot of the people in our teams we'll Um, we'll, we'll throw that in the kind of the show notes If, if you're planning on watching Game of Thrones I would go ahead and star this episode or save this episode or download this episode on your podcast app or save it in YouTube and come back and watch it later after because we're going to have some pretty major spoilers for you if you have not seen the TV show or read the books yet. Yeah. So just just your disclaimer there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're obviously pretty excited about this. We've planned our teams all week long and we just have been boiling over with excitement. We've had... We've, We've been struggling to not tell each other our positions and yeah. our, the people we have in positions because it would ruin the like organic nature of this recording. Yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, to kind of bring it back to Daryl. I think that's how Daryl would want it, right? Exactly. Like we've this is the most excited we've been to record an episode the entire time that we've been podcasting so far. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that says a lot just about you know kind of the way Daryl approached things too. And I think he'd be happy that we're having so much fun with this tribute yeah, to him. So exactly. And so for me, this whole week when I was planning and looking into the team, I I just re-listened to a couple of their episodes where they would do the uh, fantasy eleven or fictional eleven. And I was just the whole time thinking, what would Daryl do? What would Daryl do? <laughs> and he just was so witty. He was able to, you know, he was he was punny, so he inspires <laughs> me. And so he, he he has a pretty good dad joke repertoire. And so I was uh, just the whole time just really thinking about him and really cherishing his memory and just like inspired um, to, to try and do him a service and make sure that this episode isn't just some, you know, throwaway or some something that doesn't look like we wanted to honor him. And yeah. so kind of carrying that responsibility, but also celebrating his life and his creativity. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So the way we're gonna do this uh, to get into it for you guys now, uh, both me and Matt decided to use a three, five, two, yeah. uh, because that worked out just, it happened to work out for both of us. And that makes it easy for you guys to follow as we go through each position. Yeah. We're going to start with the goalkeepers, work on up through the defenders, the midfielders to the forwards. And then we've got some couple honorable mentions. I've got a bench. Uh, we've both yeah. got like managers. We've got some, uh, kind of throwaway stuff at the end for you. So let's get straight into it, Matt. Who do you have putting on the number one jersey for your Game of Thrones Fantasy Eleven? All right, so I'm going to preface this in saying that this was the single hardest position because I didn't feel called to put anyone in there. I mean, obviously, there I forget the name of it, but the the giant um, that lives north of oh, the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, oh yeah, God. that that'd be an easy one. He's <laughs> he's just you take up the entire goal so you just couldn't get it past him. But I thought that was pretty shallow. So I ended up choosing Brienne of Tarth. Okay. Okay. As my goalkeeper. Um, and like I said, it was probably the most difficult for me to choose because I didn't have enough conviction to be like, oh yeah, that's a great pick. But this is what I ended up on with All like right. four or five different um, ideas. And so she was the only daughter um, in her family. She was the, she was the only child in her family and she was a daughter. Right. And so she is abnormally tall and muscular is what the description of of her was. And so she wasn't um, deemed as ladylike uh, within Westeros. And so she ended up adapting to that and embracing her size and her athletic ability. And so she became a knight or a knight. I don't know. I don't know what it it is called. Just a knight, I think. Yeah. Um, And so she vowed to originally protect Renly Baratheon 
that didn't end up very no, that well. Didn't, that didn't go the, well for the her. The horrifying no. scene of the shadow. Oh gosh, assassin or oh, whatever. Well, you've um, got a, you've got a proper hope solo back there though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she'll beat the crap out. I mean, wait, never mind. I'm not going to go down there. That's a little bit too real. Um, <laughs> Oops. Um, but moving on, um, because of her unusually muscular and tall figure, she turned um, into a fierce warrior, like I said. Yeah. And she would be a great goalkeeper. She would have quick reflexes. Like For she sure. would have to have quick reflexes in battle, like you've seen throughout the whole series. And she would uh, she would pledge fealty to protect that goal oh, from she anyone. Would. Oh, and she, she would. would do she it. She does not break oaths. No. Yeah. She, she does she not is, break oaths. She's not an oath breaker. So that is my keeper. Okay. I think it's decent. It's it, it's not the best, but what good, do you have? I'm actually pretty excited about mine. I, I actually good. did not have this struggle, same struggle that you did. My goalkeeper just chose itself. Okay. So my goalkeeper is Tormund Giants Bane, oh. the famous wildling leader and chief lieutenant of Mance Raider, the king beyond the wall. That's a good one. That's so a good one. I think all goalkeepers, if you're a goalkeeper out there, all goalkeepers need to be a bit wrong in the head. Yes. A bit wrong in the head. And if, if you know Tormund Giantsbane, he's definitely a bit wrong in the head. Yeah. And ultra, ultra intimidating. So yeah. he just checks both boxes there. He's going to relish coming to claim some crosses. He's going to be aggressive off his line. I see him as a bit of a Manuel Neuer type. He's really going to be a big sweeper keeper for me. He's not just going to stay on his line. Um, but I think most importantly, Mance Raider uh, once nicknamed him Hornblower for the power of his lungs. They said uh, he can laugh the snow off of mountaintops. So can't you just see us conceding a goal and Tormund popping up and just ripping my back line? And, just, and, and it's also going to be vital for him to communicate with my back line. Um, and also his humor is going to be great for the locker room. Yeah, good I, team morale. I so agree. I think that's I'm, a good pick. I, I think as you guys can tell... I'm really excited here about about Tormund and goal. Yeah, I think uh, shout out to Sebastian Kalk uh, oh, yeah. from from Queens. He he definitely. I think that they have a little bit of something in common. They're absolutely mental when they're on the <laughs> field. If you're messing up, you're just gonna hear it. Oh, I remember yeah. playing center back in front of Seb and. Oh my gosh, I was more scared to do something wrong, so I was not getting yelled yep. at the entire time, but also a great character throughout oh, yeah. the entire series. You get to love him and see that he has a compassionate and well-spoken um, person in terms of he just will do anything to protect uh, uh, Jon Snow. Eventually, at the end, they become buddy-buddy, Yeah, and I, I really think he's a great character. That's oh, a good yeah. start. Oh, it's, it's a good goal. I feel good. I yeah. feel good about I'll, my goalkeeper. I'll concede that one. I'll concede okay. that one to you because that was the one thing I, I couldn't... I didn't like about Brienne of Tarth was she's not psycho and yeah. and goalkeepers they got a couple of screws loose up yeah. in their head so yeah. I was just I feel like, like Brienne's just gonna be pretty consistent for you but she's yeah. not gonna win games no and I think Tormund's gonna win me some games he might lose me some games yes but he's gonna win me some games all but right let's style, move on yeah. to the center backs um, we're gonna we have a back three here so we've got a central center back and two um, outside center backs uh, we're gonna kind of do these together because I think both me and Matt feel like our, our back lines kind of operate as a unit we chose yeah. them kind of as a unit so my central center back your sweeper yeah my, my, my central center back is Cersei Lannister <gasps> Oh yeah, Cersei Lannister. Okay, Cersei Lannister, Cersei Lannister, the oldest daughter of the pretty uh, evil Lannister family, mother to a couple kings, Joffrey, Tommen. Um, she's pretty fiercely protective of, uh, to a fault. Pretty power hungry, but uh, very mistake prone. So, I think Cersei, without a doubt, 
formidable opponent. She's going to strike fear into my opponents for sure. She's going to be intimidating back there and she can command respect and communicate from the center of my back line. Um, she's used to pulling the strings from the background as the mother of nice. two kings, yeah. right? She was very power hungry. She kind of used Joffrey and Tommen to advance her own goals throughout the series. Mm -hmm. And I think she's going to serve a similar role in the center of my back line. Um, but she is pretty power hungry and it's a trait that you see throughout the series kind of leads to some pretty critical mistakes yeah. because she doesn't like realize her own weaknesses and she just like tries to go, 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 go. So that's why I've got her in the center of my back line. I see her as my David Louise, brilliantly talented <sighs> yes. and brilliant in the middle of a back three. Yeah. If you put her or put David Louise in uh, a back four as a center back, they get exposed. Yeah. But I think with my two uh, center backs next to her, she's going to be nice and protected and she can play to her strengths. She can be a ball player. She can pull the strings from back there and she's going to do a great job at central center back. Yeah, I, I feel like she's going to be one of those center backs that whenever there's a striker, she's just going to be like, you know, pinching them, like <laughs> pinching their back, maybe step on their toes or whatever. Just like very small manipulative stuff like you see with Sansa in the first couple seasons yeah. when Sansa's uh, becoming part of their family. And, and you're like, oh gosh, is this person nice? Is, is this person just absolutely cynical? Just a lot of mind games. I feel like she would be much more of a mental, uh, uh, mental defender in terms of getting inside of the opposing striker, uh, in, inside of their heads. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's just swing it over to your central center back real quick and we'll come back to my outside center back. I, I don't know. I, I can't give my central center back without giving my... Okay, just go uh, ahead and so, give so your I'll, whole thing. Yeah. I'll come back to my outside yeah, center yeah, backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my left center back and my right center back, Okay, they are the Clegane brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the Mountain and the Hound. So these are uh, twins, or maybe twins, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if they're twins. I know they're... I know I actually think the Hound's the younger brother okay. of Gregor Clegane. The Mountain. Yeah. yeah, and so they're brothers. They're absolute giants and throughout the, the beginning of the series they're just the king's guard for the lannisters they're like the enforcers yes. for the lannisters and so they have zero regard for anyone's well-being and so throughout the series the Cleganes are ruthless and savage beasts with little to no regard for others well-being like i said acting as our in-house version of Pepe and Vidic. <laughs> Opponents will be lucky oh, to leave the field standing. Proper enforcers. Yes, proper e exactly. enforcers. Yeah. Um, and so I won't get into too much more detail about them because I feel that's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, but they hate each other. Throughout the series, there, there's an epic fight at the end of the series and season eight spoiler alert when yeah. the entire king's landing is just crumbling mm -hmm. and they're in this tower and a they pretty don't epic scene yeah and they pretty don't they don't scene. they don't care about anyone else about the war that's going on they're just fighting each other like for, <laughs> and and it's just really weird it's like do y'all really hate each other that much yeah. that you're just going to be standing in a tower that's just falling down so thus you've got them on opposite sides yes. and yeah. so the only person i think responsible enough and uh, up for the task of getting them to not try and bite each other's head off <laughs> or crush each other's heads right. as the mountain would probably do yeah uh, is Mance Raider in the center of the park uh, and the center That's of the, uh, the defense yeah and so we all know how much the Clegane brothers hate each other as we've already established so we need a great communicator and leader to help them in line dub the king beyond the wall 
Mance Raider led the Northern Wildlings towards, uh, led the Wildlings south, yeah, uh, beyond the wall. Like, who else could get all the Wildlings band together and fight their common foes? Oh yeah, like literally throughout the series, no one really believed that the Wildlings were banding together. But Mance Raider is like the first person in history who ever takes all the different Wildling tribes and bands them together under one banner proper leader of men that guy exactly uh, a good choice for the center of your back line yes exactly and so he would be able to communicate the collective mission like you said under one banner uh, with a team at the back line and um, he would be able to distribute task but also distribute the ball pretty well a yeah. ball playing center back like david louise yeah and so he would be kind of like our tony adams and carlos puyol yeah in terms of being just a leader who is passionate and able to get people in line like with pk there's a there's a video uh sergio oh, yeah, ramos yeah, yeah. like punches uh, or slaps um uh, he slapped Puyol in the face in an El Clasico, <laughs> and PK goes up to just lay uh, Ramos yeah. out, and, and Puyol just like yeah. pulls he him pulls away, him right? Back yeah. And is just like, no, we were pl- we're playing a game. Get back in line. Yeah. Focus on the mission of winning this game. And so I think Mance Raider would be perfect in yep. order to get those brute force powerhouses of the yeah. Clegane brothers. Okay, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. So my outside center backs. Remember, I've got Cersei Lannister in the middle. Really great uh, to at pulling the strings from behind the scenes. So a great ball player, very David Louise, very mistake prone because she's so power hungry. So I need two just absolute steady rocks beside her Opposite who, are, mine. who are not going to make any mistakes that are not going to be like, they're not going to show up on the stat sheet. They're just going to be there and whoo, my bad. Sending the mic flying yeah, over geez. there. Wow. All right. So we've got Tywin Lannister on the right side and we've got Ned Stark on the left side to just completely wow pillars just next to Cersei Lannister next to Cersei Lannister okay I, I understand I understand that there's some conflict here okay but I feel like I've got some other people on my team later on that are gonna try to help band my team together all right and remember I've got Tormund behind them keeping them in line okay so just two pillars on the outside of Cersei Lannister Basically, two characters that throughout the whole series just epitomize strength, wisdom, steadiness, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely on opposite sides of the moral compass, Yes, right? You've got Ned Stark on kind of your good side and Tywin Lannister on your bad side. But I don't think you can argue that they are both extremely intelligent, Yeah, always are making the right moves. Obviously, until spoiler alert, Ned gets his head chopped off. He is, He's a bit naive yeah. at times, but... And then Tywin gets shot by his son with a crossbow while um, on the loo. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, I mean, they... they met bad ends right but throughout the series are very steady wise characters and then i think they're both not going to be afraid to engage in the dark arts a little bit right tywin lannister is not afraid to throw a little elbow into your ribs stomp your cleat a little bit he's gonna get in your head and ned stark as we see at the beginning of the show the opening scene of the show is ned stark he refuses to let other people do his executions he uses his own great sword ice and chops off uh, a wall uh, someone who fled the wall he chops his head off right at the beginning with his great sword. And so he's not afraid to get his hands dirty either. No. So I think both of them are going to be great pillars to put next to Cersei. And they're going to engage in the dark arts a little bit and let Cersei kind of do her thing and float around and play the ball. And I feel pretty good about my back three. I don't know, man. I, I, I have some I have some questions about the back line because I feel like there's just going to be 
you need your back line to be solid. And and so having Cersei in the middle, she's already power hungry and she hates her father. <laughs> and so you already got that bad connection going. And then you got Ned Stark, who Cersei killed. She employed to kill and played him like a fiddle in the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like, I mean, obviously I don't have like the, the most palatable or like the um, the less dramatic uh, back line in terms of like Clegane brothers. Yeah. But I at least have them separate on opposite sides with someone in common in between them. Maybe that maybe. will calm I, the storm. I, I think I'll I'll address your point here yeah. towards the end. Okay. When I when I talk about the other people in my team, and especially when I talk about my manager. Yeah. And I'll uh, I'll give my argument for how I think this can be held together for long enough for us to see success. Okay. Um, I have some issues with you. You are not going to be able to play out of the back worth crap. You've just got two absolute brutes on the outside of your back line. You're just going to have to be lumping it long past them. Hey, nope, nope. Not <laughs> until you know who my midfield is, and then you'll just see that all we have to do is just pass it 10 yards to their feet, then they will be able to take the trouble from there. I think Mance Raider is the one who's going to be as that central pivot. Yeah. Just like David Luiz, he plays central because yep. he's a ball player. And same with Mance Raider. He's the more elegant and technical. He's not as much of a brute as you can see in the in the series. And so yeah. I think he will be acting as that position for me. Maybe it's obviously inverted of yours where your outside center backs are going to be distributing it. Yeah. My outside center backs are more of just hone in, make sure that you're I think, covering it. I think my outside center backs are actually going to be just pretty capable. Yeah. And, and Cersei's going to be the one that's going to want to be on the ball. She's going to want to pull the strings. She's just not going to want to defend that much, which is why I've got Tywin uh, and Ned gotcha. next to her. Right? All right, I that's think fair. That's my I, I see it. I see it. Okay, but... we, we've we've beat the dead horse enough here. Yeah. Let's go on to our wing backs. Go ahead. All right, so starting on the left, okay. I have Kyle Drogo as my wing back. Oh, that's... All right, I Spoiler. need to sell it to me. Sell yes. it to me, because I'm not I'm not convinced just hearing it. So oh, okay, sell Cal Drogo on at on your left wing back for me. All right, so cult hero of the show and a personal favorite of mine. I wish that he his arc would have gotten continued, but unfortunately, he got poisoned by an evil witch or whatever. Long story short, um, rest in peace. And Cal Drogo <laughs> was Danny's first husband, uh, Daenerys Targaryen, yep. the main. Um, protagonist and antagonist at the same time. It's yeah. a great show because it depends on what episode you're on, on whether or not you're on the Danny train. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he is the call of the Dothraki horde. So pretty much just think of Mongolian uh, empire. Yeah. That, that's kind it's of what they what emulate. It's modeled after, yes. yeah. And he was a fearless warrior who would do anything to protect his Khaleesi, his wife. Okay. And he's strong and swift. Cal Drogo is the perfect embodiment of the, the modern fullback who has to be able to bomb up the wings. He's mobile. He's swift. Yep. yep. And uh, join the attack, but also be aggressive on defense. So you got to have someone that's able to put in that tackle, yep. who's able to shoulder someone off, as well as want to get forward. So it's okay. a really hard position, especially at wing back. But okay. he does both very solid. So my question for you is... When he when he overlaps down the left and he and he gets to bomb on down the left, does he get his horse? Of course, yeah, he's got to. <laughs> like you, you can't just Cause, say because I do feel like without his horse, he's not quite as uh, not going to bomb on quite as much. I mean, he he's giant, like he's very strong, <laughs> but I feel like his, his fighting style. Because you think he whenever he's fighting the the person um, 
who was insulted by Khaleesi or whatever, who right. was like trying to free the the slaves or whatever. Yeah. It, he just absolutely pwned that guy and he just was just he, he just dodged and evade yeah. all his attacks and he's he's swift i think okay, i don't okay, think okay. he's all like right well we'll give mountain. him this horse so cal drogo is going to get on his horse he's yes. going to actually bomb up the uh, a bomb of the wings normally and, you figuratively get on your horse but yes. he's going to literally get on his horse and yes. bomb on the wings who do you have on the right um and on the right i have egret Okay, okay. Yes, okay. Egret. So You know nothing, Jon Snow. Yes, you know, you know nothing, You know Jon nothing. Um, a fan favorite of the Game of Thrones series, Egret is a fiery, quite literally, given the her bright yep. red hair. Um, he, she's a fiery and loyal markswoman. I don't know if markswoman. A marksman, she's good with a bow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know if it was marksman <laughs> or markswoman. She's a, she's a woman, obviously. Yeah. She's, a, she's a woman of the free folk uh, from north of the wall, so she was a wildling. Yeah. And she was also madly in love with Jon Snow. Right. And she's quick-witted, which would be a great personality to have in the locker room, given the fact that we already have kind of a dark like mood with all of our people so far. Yeah, you I, definitely you, you need some humor in there. Yeah, so she will help <laughs> brighten it up. And one of the most important traits about her is that she doesn't let her hatred for the Southerners um, deter her from understanding the common cause. Part of that thing with... Um, uh, Raider, um, yeah, Mance Raider, Mance Raider yeah. excuse me, and, and so she instead of just trying to kill all the wild, uh, kill all the Southerners or whatever, she's like, I just got to get everyone. I got my mission, and then follow the mission. She also is in love with Jon Snow, and she doesn't let being betrayed by Jon Snow deter her decision making and killing him. She could have yeah. easily killed him, but she just put a shot, and, uh, an arrow in her shoulder, and she's so lethal um, with a bow. And so I have her as our resident Alexander, Trent Alexander-Arnold because yep. she can get forward and ping a ball with absolute precision, a David Beckham on the wing uh, type player. And so she'll be able to give us that attacking flair, maybe not so much on defense. She'll get it done just like Alexander-Arnold does. It's not really the most convincing on defense, but he knows his role well enough and right. is drilled by Jurgen Klopp yeah. to at least you know suffice uh, in the back line. So that's who my okay. wingbacks are. How about you? Okay, interesting. So I have... Um, one of my wingbacks, uh, I took a similar type of uh, track to you, and the other wingback, I took a very opposite track to you. So okay. my my similar one first on the right side, at right wingback, I have Braun. Braun, Sir Braun. Yes, yes. He uh, is initially a mercenary who rises to prominence under the service of okay. Tyrion Lannister. Okay. Rep he he becomes really uh, famous when he represents him in the trial by combat yeah. at the Eyrie. Um, he's pretty, and he, by the end, he becomes Lord of High Garden and Master of Coin. Uh, so he really climbs the social ladder yeah. throughout. Okay, but Braun is just highly trained, extremely lethal, and unafraid to take risks to rise above his station, as we see throughout throughout the show. And so his his ability to take risks at the right time and understand when is the right time for me to take this risk to go forward and overlap down the right side, and then he's just got the innate skill and ability to execute once he's in those areas, is going to serve him really well. But but he's not afraid to put in the dirty work wherever necessary. You see mm -hmm. that throughout the show. Um, so as he's constantly having to track back, put in a lot of running, I think Braun's going to do it. Um, he's not flashy. No. Right? Which is no. why I don't have him as a winger or a number 10, but he's going to be highly, highly effective. 
So I'm really excited about Braun being on the right side. I see him a bit as my Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would say Trent Alexander-Arnold is actually is exactly the most skillful player in the world. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't really say he's the best defender in the world, but no. he's constantly in the conversation as best right back in the world. And I see a similar type of narrative arc here with Braun's character. I so. My only thing with Braun is that he's a mercenary. And so his heart is only where the gold is. And so when I feel like the, the game is getting tough, he's just, his heart's not going to be fully in it. And he's going to be one of those people that gets in his own head and quits halfway through the game. Or if things aren't going well, he's not going to be there to stick around very long, as evident when uh, with Tyrion Lannister um, at, at one point. I think it was at the Blackwater, um, the Battle of the Blackwater. Mm-hmm. He just darts off. He's like, I'm not getting paid enough to do this. Or at some point, I remember him just leaving. See, but I'm, I'm okay with having a little bit of that mercurial status as a wingback. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I mean? He's not going to hurt me as much if he has an off game or he takes a playoff here and there because I've got him out there as my wingback. Okay, so on the left side, as my left wingback. Alright, so for this one, you have to look beyond and I, I know it's hard because this, this show is so based around like physical attributes and stuff. Yeah. But we had to look beyond physical attributes with this one because that's not where I'm going with this one. My left wing back is Tyrion Lannister. Got Tyrion Lannister is obviously a dwarf who is the youngest member of the Lannister family. Um, He is pretty much one of people's favorite character a lot of the time. Yeah, me too. And he, he, similarly to Daenerys, he rides this line between good and bad throughout the show, and he's just highly intelligent, and people obviously love him. But he's, throughout the show, seemingly one step ahead of people at all times because of his intelligence. And I think this is going to mean, as my left wing back, he's going to be great at decision-making and great with interceptions. He mm-hmm. can make up for a bit of his lack of athleticism with being one step ahead constantly, which is basically what he does in the show the yeah. entire time. He doesn't have the um, physical stature to intimidate people or fight in a trial by combat, but he's always thinking ahead and has his plan in place for how he's going to get through situations. So I think he's going to be great there. Um, similarly, though, similarly to Braun, he's not afraid to take risks. He takes risks throughout the show, yeah. and he's not afraid to do the dirty work a bit, right? He's not afraid to kind of get Rest in peace, get, in the, get in the weeds, right? Like yeah. he, yeah, that I'm thinking that scene for sure. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be willing to track back and defend. Um, I think both Braun and Tyrion are going to be much more attacking minded than de- than defensive minded. Yeah. Similar to yours, I'm okay with that because I'm playing a back three. Exactly. Um, again. Tyrion isn't a flashy type of player, but he is pivotal to pretty much every major happening in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's in every single character arc at some point in it, and so he's pivotal. Yeah, exactly, but when you're talking about the characters in Game of Thrones, no one really ever appreciates how pivotal Tyrion is to their play. Mm -hmm. And so I really see him as a really influential left back where... Left back is not a typically a uh, position that gets the balloon to or or people are always looking to like, wow, he affects the team so much and he does so much for the team. But he's going to be pivotal to the way that I play down that left flank, the way my players combine down that left flank. Uh, so I just I really see really good parallels between Tyrion's character in the show and being a left back or left wing back in the game at a higher level. Yeah, so. I think that I think those are two pretty, pretty good um picks i think 
I don't really know. I'm not drawn to mine more than yours. I think yeah. they're pretty even in, in their own regard. Cal Drogo is going to be my Adama Traore, just a physical beast to shred people off and just get up the wings. And then Egret is yeah. going to be my Alexander I'm kind Arnold. Of a, I'm kind of annoyed I didn't think about Egret's um, marksman abilities. Uh, yeah, I, did, I just yeah. I didn't even consider that when I was thinking about it. And that's a really that's a really good comparison. I had her originally at striker, but I don't think she's I a big have, enough character. Yeah, for no, that. no. Yeah. And, and so I need someone who's a little bit. You'll you'll see later on, but okay. I, I reshuffled her into wing back, and I was like, oh, this this is perfect. I, I think I'm really happy with this. But moving okay. forward, I've been talking long enough. Yeah, who is we're gonna go one position at a time now. Who is your number six? Who is your defensive so, midfielder? My defensive jeez. Uh, <laughs> so my defensive midfielder is going to be Euron Greyjoy. Okay, and so sell um, me. Yes. So sell after me. murdering his brother Balon Greyjoy. Euron was named the commander of the Lannister fleet and was a critical figure for disrupting Daenerys' forces from taking the capital, King's Landing, at times that you wouldn't even see him. So, spoiler alert, Daenerys has her dragons, like, flying up in the air or whatever around her ship, and they're just, it's like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. It's, oh, they're going to go and take King's Landing. It's going to be awesome. And then this just, um, I think it's like a bal- uh, ballista or whatever, just like an arrow, a giant arrow. Yeah just pierces through the dragon's heart and kills it. Right. And you see Euron Greyjoy's formidable ship pulling around the coast. So, although he appears late in, later into the series, he would be an unstoppable force as a holding midfielder. Similar to the former Irish international Roy Keane of Manchester United, he is ruthless in his pursuit of his niece and nephew Yara and Theon. Right. And would similarly pursue approaching opponents with his iron feet. But, um, oh, instead of gosh. his iron fleet, All right, I, I had to put that in there. But although he isn't the smoothest, you know, like when he tried to flirt with Cersei Lannister yep. and, you know, get yeah, with that her didn't go well in season seven and eight. Yeah. Very, very not smooth. But he proves useful on the battlefield and will be a key figure on that team. OK. OK. Interesting. How Interesting. My number six, this is. This position just chose itself. This was the first name on my team sheet mm-hmm. and will always be the first name on my Game of Thrones Fantasy Eleven team sheet, no matter the opponent. My number six, my defensive midfielder, is Grey Worm. Oh, that's a that's a good pick. That's a good pick. So Grey Worm is the chosen commander of Daenerys Targaryen's Unsullied, which is a warrior eunuch uh, force who are trained as slave fighters since a young age, uh, and she basically frees them and commands their loyalty for the rest of the show. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like, who else would I want shielding my back line than Grey Worm? Give him a task, he's going to do it. Yeah. You don't have to ask him twice. You sometimes don't even need to ask him. He just knows exactly what needs to be done in a certain situation. He's not going to do it in a flashy way. Right. I mean, they have like the shield and the spear. It's not as fun as the um, knights with their swords and that kind of stuff, but it's effective. Yeah. And he's going to get it done. He's going to have no problem sitting in, taking hard yellow cards and giving my more creative attacking midfielders license to roam and go forward. Importantly, Grey Worm is also intensely loyal. I -hmm. think probably the most loyal character in the entire series just because, I mean, he yeah. will literally do anything that Daenerys asks him to do. Yeah. Part of that's due to his training, and part of that's because Daenerys frees him and all of his, um, all of his uh, 
teammates. <laughs> definitely not teammates. I don't know what the word is, but um, <laughs> but my, my thing though is I see Grey Worm as someone that we brought through my youth teams. And if I give him his first shot in the first team, he's going to be a club lifer. He's going to be with my club for the rest of his life. He's going to be a proper Francesco Totti. Okay. For my Game of Thrones Fantasy Eleven, right? I think, he's, I think he's a always Daniela going Rossi to be there. Would be a, a more yeah, 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 accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Toddy yeah. was just the first uh, club lifer that I yes. thought of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how I see Grey Worm, and yeah. he's always going to be in the team, and he's always going to shield my back line and take those yellow cards. And I think we're probably going to be hurting when he's out on yellow card suspension, inevitably. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think he could be more of like a. Uh, I would have done like an Angolo Conte comparison. Yeah, someone who's not flashy. But someone everyone loves. If you've oh, yeah. not seen N'Golo Conte, just look up a video of him riding a bicycle. He always <laughs> has a smile on his face, and he just has like a childlike wonder, and it's just happy to be there. But he, when he needs to get his hands dirty, he'll get it dirty. Uh, evident with all of his yellow cards and red cards and horrible tackles that right. he'll do just to break up plays. So, I think the Gray Worm is a is a good pick. I, I, I'm I'm similarly yeah. happy with Euron uh, yeah. Greyjoy. I'm, I I, I'm, I'm a, a I'm a little concerned about uh, kind of what your what you were uh, your quibble with with Braun and with some of my other players about. Yeah, are they going to go missing in big moments? Which Euron Greyjoy kind of only shows up when it's good for him, right? So I've kind of you got think, this. You I've think. kind of got the same quibble here for no, you. No, no, you think so that he he acts like, oh, I've seen the undead or whatever in season seven or mm-hmm. in season, eight, and, he, and it looks like he leaves, but it's all a strategic thing, and he ends up coming back because his loyalty is with Cersei and the Lannister fleet, not only because it's the money's there or whatever, but it, it's something that he thinks he's going to win with. So as right. long as we have something that feels competitive to him, I agree Okay. Uh, in that sense um, that, you know, he might not, he might turn off for those games where he's just like, yeah, we have no chance in winning and he's right. not going to be that creative spark that leads everyone. Yeah. That's not what I'm asking of him though. At the six, I got man's okay. Raider behind him for that. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I'm going to go to my number eight, my yeah. box to box midfielder. Um, in my number eight role, I have Jon Snow. Same. Do you have Jon Snow as I well? Have it too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The there first, we go. It's the first one that Dude, matched. Given that there is a list that we both looked through of a hundred Game of Thrones oh characters gosh. to yeah. just get eleven and have them not only like in the same team but in the yeah. same position. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I'm mean, happy with I, I that. I think it says a lot about Jon Snow's qualities. I mean, I'm going to read off my qualities, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to take every single talking point that you have. Jon Snow is the bastard son of the Stark family who ends up becoming uh, the commander of the Night's Watch, and he's pretty much like the major kind of good guy protagonist yeah. of the entire film, uh, or the entire series, I mean. Uh, he's just a completely inspiring leader. Um, Jon Snow's my captain, for sure. Like without a doubt, Jon Snow's wearing the captain's yeah. armband for me. He's gonna, I'm gonna play him right in the middle of the field. He's very versatile, and he understands the right things to do in hard situations and difficult situations. So, um, I have no doubt that he's gonna work back defensively when he needs to. He can contribute to the attack when he needs to. Exactly. And he's just gonna be my perfect captain. Yeah, and pretty much your first three lines were the exact same things that I that I typed on my document. Um, so. The only thing that I put uh, differently is that he has a quiet leadership. He's not a very verbal leader like Ned Stark Um, Mm -hmm. or 
I'm trying to think of any of the the other um, leaders in, in the series. I think the Starks are all yeah. leaders in their own embodiment. Like, like Rob Stark was much more of a like stand up kind of give an inspiring speech, yeah. and that's not Jon Snow. Yeah, Jon Snow's going to do it in the quiet moments. He's going to come to a guy in the locker room when he needs a, a little bit of a lift. And, and more importantly, he doesn't seek the approval of those around him. Yeah, he was a bastard son. He didn't seek the approval of his mother uh, or of his. I, I I guess um what what would that what would that be I don't know like yeah. stepmother I guess stepmother yeah I, I guess um he didn't seek her approval he didn't seek anyone's approval at the Night's Watch he did what was honorable similar to Ned Stark yeah uh, at no cost um, right and and so moving uh, to our next position attacking midfielder I wonder if we'll have the same person for this one uh, as well you I go. put Oberyn Martell. Oh, I okay. He, I really considered Oberyn. Yeah, I really considered. I'll let you explain Oberyn, and then I'll go to mine. Okay, so Oberyn is also known as the Red Viper. He is the prince, or was the Prince of Dorne, and sought to uh, avenge the horrible murder of his sister Elia Martell yep. uh, by the. Uh, I think it was the mountain. The mountain, yeah, yeah. And he ends up fighting the mountain in single combat, yes. and basically beats him. But then he gloats too much, and then gets his like eyes crushed. Basically, yes, kind of brutal. Yes. Sorry for the yeah. And, and that was my next line. I said yeah. most notably remembered for that scene with yeah. the mountain. Um, and he was renowned for his skill with a spear, his unique fighting style, and his understanding of poisons. Because, yeah. uh, due to his brief time at the Citadel uh, when he studied to be a, ma- a maester. Yeah. Uh, but he was just too flamboyant of a lifestyle to stay in the Citadel. So right. he just took what was useful for him and then went out and became a mercenary or whatever. But for our side, he is known to have a hot temper and a flamboyant personality, and so he would be pivotal for providing the attacking flair and balance in our midfield because we have Jon Snow. He's not a flair player. He's a player right. that gets stuff done. Euron Greyjoy is not a flair player. No. He's just gets stuff done yeah, again. He gets yeah. stuff done again. So we need some creative right. um, mindset in the midfield. And what he'll do with his technical skill and his understanding of his opponent's weakness He's just going to leave them on the floor and just gloat at them. Similar to what he did with a mountain, maybe to his own demise. Right. He's going to be our, he's going to be similar to Neymar for, for us at, at the cam position, uh, like at PSG. Yeah. He's going to give that Joga Benito, that pretty playing style, the Brazilian flair that is very polarizing. You have people that love watching it, but hate playing against it. Yeah. So he's going to get some kicks in the, in the ankles and he's going to yeah. be on the floor a lot of time. That's a good choice. But yeah, let's just hope his spot in the locker room is far from the Cleganes. Oh, oh. Yeah, you, you kind of have a tinderbox here, right? You've got Gregor Clegane, the hound, ha- you, so you've got the mountain, the hound, and Oberyn in a little triangle here. That you're gonna have to be really strategic about uh, the way you play. Slockers, we got we got the two best leaders of Jon Snow and Mans uh, Raider. Mans Raider. So yeah. I'm really hoping, really and then also with them. also with my head coach, uh, my head coach choice. I think that uh, we'll be able to get everything okay. pinned in. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what you have. My number ten is Peter Littlefinger Baelish. Pulling the strings. Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a good one. That's so, a good one. So, so Littlefinger is the lord of a really small time house, but he rises to prominence as the master of coin under multiple kings um, through brilliant but pretty sinister manipulation. That's basically what he does yeah. the whole time. He's just pulling strings, trying to manipulate people and rise to power. He's probably the cleverest character in the entire series outside of Tyrion, I would say. I would say him and Tyrion are probably about on the same level of just 
ability with man, man, manipulation and thinking steps ahead and all I think that Varys kind of stuff. as well is Varys it. as well is probably a good shout for that. So I'm pretty confident this is going to translate into an innate ability to unlock defenses with creativity and flair. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident about that. Also, as someone who rose to prominence from pretty meager origins, um, yep. he knows what it means to grind and work for what you want. However, he is pretty arrogant and flawed. Ultimately, as we see his clever plans crash down around him as such San- a good as scene. Sansa finds him oh, out and executes him. Yeah, one of the best scenes of the series. I mean, because Sansa has such a good redemption arc, and so like for her to like have that one climactic moment where she breaks kind of breaks free, it was pretty cool. So because of that, because of those flaws that Littlefinger has, I see him as my Mesu Ozil undeniably brilliant but ultimately flawed and so he's a bit of a luxury player for me but similarly to you i've got gray worm and Jon snow sitting behind him so i think i can afford a bit of a luxury creative player who's not going to do a lot of defending in front of them yeah you got a good balance and just let him roam a little bit and combine with my forwards and my wing backs um, so I think I think that's a good exchange there. So I'm I'm pretty happy with my number ten in Little. Yeah, Finger. I think that's a really good comparison as well with uh, Mesut Ozil. Very relatable for me. Um, and yeah, I mean I think both of our number tens are good in their own right. You just went for Ozil, I went for Neymar, yeah. and both are extremely <laughs> world class and this just true. to I their see, own fault. I mean that was my thought. If we'd done four three threes, Oberyn would have been in my starting lineup without yeah. a doubt on the wing. I would have had Oberyn Martel on the wing, and I would have had Dario Naharis on the other wing. That was yes. going to be my wingers, but obviously we didn't end up doing that, so no one cares. Yes. So let's go on to our two number nines, our two center yeah. forwards. I've been talking long enough, so give me whether you want to give one of them or you want to give I'm both. I'm going to give both of them okay. really quickly. I'm just going to go ahead and read what I have on my on okay. my sheet. So first up, we have Grey Worm. Oh, so you've got oh, you went with a totally different. Track. I went with a, a different track. So a personal favorite of the show. There are so many fan favorites on the show. It's very good if you're okay with a little bit more grotesque violence and some, you know, a little bit steamy love scenes and whatever and love <laughs> arcs. But the the character build in the show is so good. You have eight seasons and they're all hour long episodes. Yeah, some more than that. Um, and so. Anyway, Grey Worm, like we've already established, is the ulti- ultimate fighting machine. He's a machine. Yeah. And absolutely. so he's the unwavering force and leader of the Unsullied. We've already talked about that. And um, and so he might lack the flair and drama of Oberon Martell. So right. he's going to be connecting with him, okay. obviously. So it's in the attack. He He's very much, he's gray. He is just going to get the job done okay. and no colors about it. But he is no less crucial and effective, and he gives a head, um, a level-headed balance to our attack when helping our, you know, more flair-driven players. Yep. If they're having a bad day, we yeah. need someone that's going to be able to just get stuff done when the opportunity arises. He's going to deliver pretty much no matter what. Like, yeah. while while Oberyn might give you a hat trick one day and then uh, basically no show the next day. Grey Worm, your theory is that he's going to get you a goal a game. Yeah, if he gets the good service, um, he's like Harry Kane. Yeah, I, I put him as Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. And so Robert Lewandowski or Thomas Mueller, maybe Thomas Mueller is a little bit more flair. He's, he's yeah. more inconsistent, yeah. but Robert Lewandowski is just on a tear. He That's scores true. like it's for fun. Yeah. He has more goals already this season than Arsenal, Manchester United, I think Chelsea and a bunch of other teams. Yeah, there are some lists that came out today about that. But yeah. anyways, the strike partner, 
he has is Arya Stark. Okay. Okay. And so Arya Stark is the daughter of Ned Stark and known for her unladylike behavior. Yep. Arya was all. Uh, Arya has always had to be a fighter, whether it, it, that be cultural or societal norms. Be being a woman, she's more of the tomboy yeah. um, esque uh, child compared to her sister Sansa, especially. Right. And having to escape, you know, King's Landing after the murder of her father in season one, she has that grit and ability to you know get dirty with the defenders and stuff but evade them and and everything many times she goes unseen which has led her to develop a savage and relentless ability to fend for herself this is most evident when she's avenged the when she avenged the slaughter of her entire or not her entire family of her family at the red wedding yep she went and killed the all the male lineage of of the fray line yeah and that's a little bit dark. Yeah. Let's get on something more positive. Arya's cold-blooded and sneaky nature make her the ultimate fox in the box striker. And so she's quick and decisive in her movements, and she'd be able to deceptively cut through opposing defensive lines and finish with deadly accuracy. Also, her vision would enable her to thread the needle. <laughs> oh, my God. Gotcha. There we go. <laughs> uh, and her... her uh, sword that she has, or I don't even know what. Yeah, it's, it, it's a sword. It's, it's a, a short sword. It's yeah. a short sword, and it's she calls it needle. So she'd be able to thread the needle and be I a great strike you. partner with Grey Worm. <laughs> She's like a hybrid between Manchester City's Sergio Aguero, Jamie Vardy of Leicester City, and Arsenal women's forward Vivian Maidama, yeah. who is an absolute yeah, machine. Is, yeah. And so she has the positional awareness similar to Aguero. She has the tenacity and the killer instincts like Jamie Vardy and Vivian Mainema. And so I think that that okay. fox in the box, and just to clarify, I had a really funny story oh, with the uh, last time I mentioned story. fox in the box. So uh, my mom was listening to the podcast and she texted me, what's a fox in the box? Uh, because we had used it to describe maybe a player yeah, from we, I don't uh, know one of the teams. For, but yeah. And so, I was like, oh, it's just a person who makes really quick darting runs in the 18 and is always in the right place and uh, is very clinical or whatever. And she was like, oh, I thought it was just like a really cute striker or someone who was like a little bit foxy or whatever. I was like, oh, oh, gosh. Out here exposing your mom on the podcast. Yes, no, but it means that she's supporting it. But it's really funny. It was a really funny exchange. I was dying laughing. It was so fun. But anyways, who are your two number nine? Yeah, so I'm trying. I'm I'm having like kind of get beyond because I've been for so long thinking about Grey Worm as my number six as a very defensive minded player and I'm having trouble seeing him as a striker I get your reasoning but I'm trying to make that connection in my head so my two strikers I modeled my strike partnership off of Inter Milan's strike partnership of Romelu Lukaku and Latura Martinez solid so I've got an underneath floating number nine like a false nine and then I've got a target number nine yeah my underneath number nine is unsurprisingly Arya Stark there we go it it has to be that was what I was going for as well yeah it has to be Arya um it just it has to be she's absolutely lethal yeah she's diminutive and unassuming but after her assassin training and bravos for a, a very large part of the series yeah once she comes back from that she's just like absolutely she's going to be deadly in front of goal kind of like Messi playing that false nine position uh, you know pulling the strings and everything and very deceptive but she is going to score and she's gonna get those assists oh yeah absolutely and you missed my pun as well 
She's going to be deadly in front of goal after all of her assassin training and all the killing oh. she does. Come on. Yeah, fair enough. Come Sorry. on. I mean, I know you're the king of dad jokes and puns on this, but like I even wrote in Badum Ching oh. beside my <laughs> beside my joke. <laughs> I mean, like I, th- every, every okay, character you're, you're, in you're, here is deadly. You're, so. you're, you're thre- your thread the needle was better. Yes. Your thread the needle was better. I'm kind of <laughs> disappointed <laughs> I didn't think of that one. But she also spends like most of the series on solo adventures. She's yeah. on her own most of the time. So she's really resourceful, very skillful. She can adapt to any situation. I'm pretty confident that I can let her roam and give her a completely free role to do whatever she wants because she is so good on her own and she's so good at adapting to different situations. She's going to be able to find the right pockets uh, and just have that completely free role. Um, And I also know, as we know from the finale of the show that Arya is going to deliver in big moments for yeah. me. Yeah, definitely. She will deliver in big moments. And then my target number nine is the Night King, who is the first White Walker and leader of the Army of the Dead. I really don't think I need to explain this one much because the Cold Night King ice, is man. going to be cold as ice absolutely single-minded and brutally efficient and what i want him to do score goals that's all i need him to do is just score goals plus can you imagine rolling up and being a center back and playing against the night king yeah just don't let him touch you yeah (laughs) as soon as he posts you up you're done (laughs) oh my yeah so i feel like we're in the same thought category in terms of what we want from our strikers you just went for the more literal sense of someone who's like <laughs> going to be icy and cold with oh, his yeah. finishing. I went for someone who's going to be also very stoic and not very dramatic with, yeah. with his finishing ability. Yeah. So I think we're in the same we, realm we, of we, thought. We, but, yeah, we yeah. went for a target number nine. You went for Grey Worm. I went for the Night King. And we were both playing with Arya Stark as our underneath number nine. So exactly. The two places where we matched up were Arya as our underneath number nine and Jon Snow as our number eight, which as kind of my two favorite characters in the whole series, I'm pretty happy about yeah. that. So um, to kind of give a rundown of my team, again, I've got Tormund Giants Bane in goal. Solid. Cersei Lannister at, flanked by Tywin Lannister and Ned Stark at center back. I've got Bronn at right wing back, Tyrion Lannister at left wing back, Grey Worm in the six, Jon Snow with the captain's armband in the eight, Peter Littlefinger Baelish at the 10, and then Arya Stark and the Night King as my strike partnership. It's a pretty solid team. I, I still, I still it. am uh, questioning your back line. I like mine a little bit better, but of course I'm going to be okay, biased. Do, do your rundown. Do your rundown. So Remind my me. rundown... You've beaten me in goal. I'll concede that. I have Brianna Tarth, (laughs) which is funny now that I think of it because uh, Thorman is madly in love with Brianna. So they're kind of complimentary. Yeah, yeah. there's kind of complimentary figures right there. Uh, And then my center back. So I have Mance Raider in the center of my back three with the Clegane brothers, the Mountain and the Hound on either side of them. My wing backs are going to be Cal Drogo and Egret. Yeah, and then in the middle of the park, I got Jon Snow and Euron Greyjoy going to be that double pivot, yep. and then I got my attacking mid Oberyn Martell, the Red Viper. Yeah, and then I got my strikers Grey Worm and Arya Stark. Okay, okay. I think my assessment of everything is I do think that your back line, your your back three at least, mm-hmm. is potentially has better chemistry than mine. Yes, 
I think I might have better players, but I think they might fall apart. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, you, You point out some good things. I feel a little bit better about my attacking players though. Like I feel a little bit better with the Night King up top. I, I think Littlefinger is a better number 10 than Oberyn. And I think Grey Worm is a defensive player. I just can't, I'm sorry, I just can't wrap my head around as Grey Worm as a number nine. I just can't do oh, it. Oh, well that makes sense. But the entire series, the reason why I have him as an attacking, he's always attacking because they don't defend other than the Winterfell, uh, the yeah. battle for Winterfell. He's always ramping, uh, like ransacking or whatever, pillaging and everything. I All think my th- thought with it, though, is that everything he's doing is intended to defend Daenerys. Like everything he does is for her and to protect her. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's on her order. So I just see him as protecting my back line. But we can get into semantics yeah. with that all day long, right? Let's kind of go into kind of our extra little honorable mentions as we wrap up the episode here. Um, do you have kind of any honorable mention players first that you kind of just want to give a shout out to that were really close to making the cut? I've got a whole bench here. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. but Yeah, kind, so kind of I mean, it. the first one was Daenerys. Yeah. I wanted her to get into it that. It just felt ten. like she should be in there, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I'm like, she's too important of a yeah. character. But then I realized I'm not going to put a character in here just because they're important to yeah. the show. I want them in there because they're going to be important to my team. And so she was definitely one of them. I think Sansa was an honorable mention. Yeah. I think that um, the brother who got murdered at the Red Wedding, the Stark, Rob, um, Stark. Rob Stark, was yeah. also just because he was really good attacking. Yeah. And then also Cersei's brother, um, uh, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie yeah. Lannister. And so those were all like kind of honorable mentions more forward. I think my back line and stuff, I was kind of set in those ways. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of who I have uh, potentially. Yeah. So I lied earlier. I'm going to run through my bench real quick because okay, I, there we I go. feel pretty good about the options I have off of the bench. So my backup goalkeeper is the Hound, Sandor Clegane. Just yeah, really fair. consistent, like Willie Caballero type backup. Yeah. Um, then my uh, target nine to come off the bench is Cal Drogo. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, come on. Like, who else do you want? Like, he's my Alan Gordon late super sub. Who else do I want? If I'm down a goal and just need to pump balls into the box and pump crosses in, Cal Drogo just up there rising for the headers. Um, my back line sub is is Sir Davos Seaworth. He's my Caesar okay. Azpilicueta. I can put him anywhere along my back five, and he's going to do a job. Yeah, So I, I really like him. Mance Raider is my, my six or eight sub, mm-hmm. just another leader. Uh, Brian of Tarth is my other center back. Um, I just felt like she was too naive to, yeah. to, to start. Uh, Sirio Farrell yeah. is my backup, like underneath number nine, ten. I think he's going to be that really experienced hand that's going to help Arya reach a higher level. Not even Oberyn Martell. Up. I would have Oberyn Martell. No, over I mean, him any day. I, I think Sirio is going to be my my David Silva. What David Silva has been recently, okay. like how David Silva shepherded Phil Foden through. Yeah, that's how I see Sirio shepherding Arya through. That's a really big nerd out. But wow, that, and that's, then, a, that's a really convoluted and then, point and then, too. And then Jamie Lannister as well is just like my number flexible nine. forward okay. to bring in as yeah. well. Um, so that's kind of my bench. Those were kind of my honorable mentions. Those were Matt's honorable mentions. Let's talk about some other things. Who is your manager? So for my manager, I have Tyrion Lannister. You have Tyrion. Okay. Yeah. That's, I was wondering where Tyrion was going to come in for yeah. you. I mean, I think 
I was I was looking at it. I was looking at my team from more of like a physical, but also character trait uh, aspect. And yeah. so I was just like, okay, well, he's never been in the fighting. He could get on the field. We saw that at the Battle of the Blackwater. He got his hands dirty, but he's just not very good on the field. So I feel like there's a lot of coaches that weren't great players that became great managers. Yeah. And so he's not really good at swinging the hammer, but he's good at sitting behind the desk and pulling the strings and That's being a really manager. Good That's a really position. good shout. I like that. I like that a lot. So my manager, let me finish my beer here. Yeah, there you go. Is Daenerys Targaryen. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Let me sell it to you. Let me sell it to you. Good okay. Luck. If I'm going to have a team that has all of these Game of Thrones characters, so many huge personalities, so many people from different backgrounds, I need a leader that can pull all of those people together, which we see Daenerys do throughout the show in as she travels through kind of like the East mm -hmm. and she keeps collecting all these different types of followers, Westerosis, Eastern people, the slave warriors, all this kind of stuff. She just gets this massive following of all different types of people. So I think she can become a leader. And here is my comparison for her, okay? I see... Daenerys Targaryen as my Jose Mourinho. I'm looking at a th the classic Jose Mourinho three-year cycle here. I think Daenerys is going to come in. She's going to struggle initially as the manager, yeah. as she does early in the series. She struggles as a leader, trying to find her footing. She makes a lot of mistakes. It's not a great first season, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. Then in the second season, she's going to find all of her momentum, and our team is going to be absolutely fearsome. It may all come crashing down around us in year three, as it normally does for Jose Mourinho teams. Yeah. But I'm okay with it if she can take me to Champions League glory in year two. And especially with That's the way if. especially if the way I've built my back line, right? Mm -hmm. The the quibble you pointed out with the lack of chemistry that might be there, right? This isn't that's not a back line that's gonna be my back line of, of fifteen years. Yeah. That's my back line that I just need them to pull together for my one incredible season under Daenerys Targaryen, and then I can sack her after year three and find someone like Tyr maybe like Tyrion retires, I can make him my manager because I like your yeah. manager. Yeah, I think as well. I think Tyrion. But there's then, my yeah. cell. I mean like you were pretty skeptical at the beginning. Like, how was my cell for Daenerys Targaryen? I think the uh, uh, doing like a comparison with Jose Mourinho is very, very yeah. good. I'm not it's, arguing that yeah. Daenerys is going to be my manager for the next ten no, years. No, it, 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 it fits in terms of a football sense. It fits in terms of Game of Thrones sense because yep. she goes, she starts off low, she has a major high, and then it all comes crumbling and crushing down, just like King's Landing in yep. season eight. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very good. Wouldn't be who I'd want to appoint as my yeah. manager. That's yeah. that's fair. That's an opinion. But I, I want someone who's going to be a little bit more stable. My Arsene Wenger, who's going to be there yeah. for 20, 25 years. All about the philosophy. Really connect with the players and have a good vision. I have, as my general manager yeah. of the club, I have Bran Stark. Oh, I didn't. I thought you were going to go for Varys. No. Because I went for Varys. Yes. Like, obviously, so, I, I went for Varys. The I spider, went for, for Bran Stark, who is uh, the seer, yeah. pretty much. So he is a visionary businessman who's able to see the different character traits and mm -hmm. end players. So he would be good at scouting. And so he would be able to see people's potential and their future and the right. decisions that they'd have to make and appoint the right people that will go along well together. And ultimately he's someone that's kind of behind the scenes, 
But whenever a Champions League winning or like a trouble winning side comes into fruition, you look at the general manager and he gets praise in that moment. And just like in the series, he's always unnoticed in the whole series. He's just in there for like a little five, 10 minute segment. Right. And then he becomes eventually the king of Westeros. Right. At the end. Yeah. 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 No, I I think that's a good choice. I went for Varys, the spider. Also a good pick. Right. Who just has connections everywhere with his like, quote, little birds. It's referenced throughout the 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 series. He's your lead scout. Yeah, he was, he was directing my <laughs> scouting network. I, I think various, yeah, right. He's going to help us strike all those deals because he yeah. has so many connections. That's a really good shout as your scouting network director. Um, my kind of thing with various was his moves as a GM may not always make the most sense on face value. Yeah. I think GMs get ripped a lot for making moves, but I will know as the owner of my club that various is always doing everything he does for the good of of my team and for, for the, the good realm. of the realm. Yeah, that's a good. Which Varys does throughout this series, right? Every, he's constantly making little moves, little moves, little moves, and his motives aren't uh, clear until the end that he's really there, not for a leader, but for the good of the realm. And so I know that Varys, as my general manager, won't get too attached to my manager. He won't get too attached to some of my players. He will always keep the bigger picture of my club in mind and always be pushing that vision. So I feel really good about very, he helped off that Danny wagon as soon as he saw her, um, kind of get that crazy streak. And he was like, we need to get rid of her. Jon Snow, you need to kill her. And so that's a, that's a good shout. I think the last thing that I have on my list, and I think that we've already talked about is our kit man. Oh yeah. This is a great way to finish. Everyone knows that the kit man is one of the most pivotal people within a club. He creates that culture. Explain what a kit man is for people that may not be familiar with it. So a kit man is quite literally the person who provides the kits. So he's the person who's going to be putting the jerseys uh, on people in the locker rooms and stuff. He's going to be putting the cleats at the lockers, the socks, all the gear. Yeah. He's the one who has that really personal connection with the players, but on like a fun level. It's yeah. not anything about performance with a kit man. It's just about having some banter. And so we both, we laughed out. This was the only thing that we shared with each other yeah. before the episode. All of this has been off the cuff, by the way, yeah. until this. We had Podrick. Oh, yeah. Podrick Payne, the uh, famous squire who of Tyrion Lannister. I mean, who else? Like, who else than the guy who has probably one of the funniest scenes in the series <laughs> where, like, he's a virgin and they buy a bunch of prostitutes for him and he comes back in and the prostitutes refuse to pay him. And just Tyrion's face is probably one of the best scenes in the entire series. And who else than Podrick to be our kid yeah. man? And, and for a series that is so morbid and is so serious Podrick is one of the only characters that brings that sheer laughter throughout it's not forced or anything he's just hilarious and he just brings everyone back to you know a sense of a humanity which would be important in a team especially if Daenerys is going to be your uh, manager you need someone to kind of lighten the mood oh, yeah. a little bit more so than the players because they oh, got yeah. the performance aspect that they got to deal with and the pressure from yeah. the fans. So I think that that's a really good way to conclude with it. And an oh, yeah. awesome, 100%. Awesome I, I, th- I think that I went for immediate short-term success and then I'll figure it out later because I've got various as my general manager. You went for a much more stable, long-term club vision, yeah. which I think is interesting how we kind of approached it in... Uh, 
in different you ways. You came with an MLS perspective of a general manager knowing that, you know, one year you can be down in the dumps and the yeah. next year you could be winning a championship. I'm out here trying to create, you know, an invincible season with slowly <laughs> but surely keeping a steady yeah. progress of success. Yeah. I mean, I do have my core of players, right? I've got like my core of players that are going to be my core. My center backs, I feel, I, I think you're, I think you might be right. I think they might be my weakness, but, yeah. um, but, but we'll see. But I, I really, really enjoyed this. this I can, yeah. I can see why Daryl Grove and Taylor Rockwell have so much fun doing these types of episodes yeah. uh, for, uh, or doing these types of episodes for Total Soccer Show. Um, I, it was pretty cool and special to do something like this that mattered so much to Daryl and, and had, and Daryl had so much fun with. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good reminder sometimes that we need to remember the softness in the world and the lighter side of things and and remember that we're here watching soccer, talking about soccer on a podcast, posting about soccer on social media because we love the game and we love the entertainment it brings. And that's what it's supposed to be. And, And I think too often we get to the point where we feel like we need to be hard on players and we feel like, like we need to be so strict and like this is about results only this is a business and ultimately it's entertainment and ultimately we need to have fun and so I just had a ton of fun doing this yeah uh, likewise I think that whenever I would listen to these episodes with Daryl and Taylor I could hear the smiles on their face through audio they've made the culture of that podcast is something that I really think is can't be replicated because I've never met either of them I'll, like I've, I've never met them I've only been listening to no, them yeah. for like the last year or two when I started finding podcast uh, for for soccer but having followed them for the last year or two I was devastated this whole yeah. last week because they made you part of a family you had a seat at the table and it was just fun and lighthearted. you got to learn a ton of stuff but you really ultimately that compassion it went from the mic and you could hear it in your earbuds or however you were listening to it. Yeah. And it was just palpable. And so I think that this was something that's honorable to him and his memory. And like I've said, my thoughts and prayers are with um, Taylor Rockwell and your family. And cause I know that your family was close as well with Daryl and the Grove family. Yeah. For like the last 11, yeah. 11 years, however they've been, long they've been every doing it. five days a week for since 2009. Yeah. I can't imagine the devastation you're feeling, but we just wanted to honor and uh, honor Daryl's memory, honor the memory of y'all's podcast in the sense of co-hosting together, because that's something that I will never forget. And I will keep on supporting people. If when you're listening to this, go and tweet or go and message them um, on the total soccer show, Instagram or Twitter uh, and go um, message there or message Taylor something yeah. encouraging, something um, just personal to them because I know that in this time of loss they will be mourning. But I love how they're celebrating Daryl this whole last week since he's passed away. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, this was something special, and uh, Daryl Grove is going to be someone that I think the American soccer culture is never going to forget. He he's laid a major major foundation for just what American soccer is today. I do not think that American soccer would be where it is today, and especially American soccer culture and fan culture would be where it is today without Daryl being that guiding voice Mm -hmm. and almost that narrator through the 
through all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I think MLS Extra Time, the, the podcast yeah. with Daryl, or not Daryl, uh, with Weeby, yeah. Andrew Weeby. With Andrew Weeby yeah. and all them, yeah. Yeah, they, they just did a commemoration um, to Daryl as well. And they, yeah. they had a really cool idea of nominating, somehow trying to figure out the nomination for the award of the podcaster of the year or yeah. the sports broadcaster of the year, trying to get it named the Daryl Grove yeah. Award. And I think that that's honorable. I think that that's re- like respectful to Daryl Grove's work because it's not just about the content, like we said. It's about the heart and about the community and doing something that's really going to inspire people. Yeah. Because I am, I aspire to be half of what Daryl Grove was in terms of a husband, in terms of a friend, and in terms of a podcast host. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think I can say it any better than that. So. In memory of Daryl Grove, I am Will Martin. And I'm Matt McCutcheon. And this is What the FC.